0: what's going on people welcome back to another episode of bq with damani i'm your host damani mater and i'm glad to be back in the seat to deliver the best news boxing has to offer now this past weekend's fights really i can't say that i was disappointed with i know the highlight is tommy fury jake paul great fight can't really complain about it there were some high points low points really in that fight save that for a little bit later want to get into the smaller stuff first of course we've got our man's Subliel matias excellent championship victory at 140 pounds we'll be covering that as well but first let's get to my man's connor ben there's been a lot of controversy surrounding his name once again because of the failed drug test, we've got Mauricio Suleiman weighing in on it, Eddie Hearn weighing in on it, Walter Brown weighing in on it. There, there are a lot of highly influential people in the boxing sphere right now who really have heavy investment in the Conor Bent story, mostly because he's just a, such a polarizing figure right now. You have the WBC who's currently saying that he ended up testing crazy on both the a and b sample because of eggs then you have the british boxing board of control saying that he took clomiphene so it's like is the clomiphene in the eggs is the eggs boosting testosterone like what really we have no idea what's going on so we're just taking what we're hearing at face value in my personal opinion i don't think that connor ben was cheating there there are significant differences from when he first started his career to what he looks like currently in terms of his fighting style but i'd like to just attribute that to his training with his father and his other coaches on his team like i i i can't come out clearly and say yo this man's juicing there there are some obvious cases big baby for instance you could tell that that man was juicing in between fights. This man's weight was like ballooning up and down. Obvious sign of steroid use. It's its a very different situation where you have a fighter who's at 147 pounds doesn't necessarily look like he's juicing doesn't necessarily have the the attributes outside of just physicality that give the impression that you're on steroids really like I, I don't I I can't count a time where I've seen Connor Ben like have roid rage. It's just naturally just him. You can't you can't blame roid rage when it's just him and his dad just being a bunch of nut jobs. They're nut cases really, and we 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 do need some nut cases in boxing. Don't get me wrong, that's not a bad thing. We do need some crazy people in boxing, but at the same time, you know people people were really throwing that around, saying oh roid rage oh he's he's looking huge this and that. When prior to the fight, nobody was saying any of those things. Nobody nobody was going going to Conor Ben's press conferences or going under Conor Ben's social media and saying, "Oh, I, I noticed that roid rage. I, I I noticed you got way bigger between your last two fights. Uh, when when you were fighting Chris Algieri, you looked massive. I, I didn't see any of those things until after the news came out. So it's really difficult to point fingers with a situation like this it honestly is and as a fellow competitor like I've I've been drug tested my entire career I've been drug tested since 18 years old so I I can't I can't point the finger on a situation like this it's really tough to call but you know we dance the line between favoritism and being loyal to the sanctioning bodies and for me it's really tough I, I can't say for certain but you guys very passionate. You guys are always gonna pick one or the other. Me, I have to remain neutral. So Connor's really back in the hot seat because, as usual, he <laughs> went off. I just spoke about him and his dad being complete nutcases. They 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 don't really take kindly to trash talking. If you trash talk Nigel Ben Connor Ben, best believe you're getting a fat paragraph back in response, and that is exactly what happened when this man, Errol Spence, decided to at him on Twitter. Conor Ben and Errol Spence went back and forth on social media yesterday, and things got real heated. Conor Ben's name was finally cleared this week, as I mentioned earlier, after the WBC officially reinstated him, and their investigation concluded that Conor was eating an excessive amount of eggs prior to his fight with Chris Eubank Jr., Errol Spence Jr., knowing him, he's always willing to talk if you're big enough. And he certainly didn't back down from Conor Ben. So let me get these messages for you guys because they, they went on. They Really, when it comes to boxers, they they are the masters of trash talking. You got the NBA, you got the NFL, those guys, they they got their teammates to rely on. Team performances. Boxing, your last fight is how good you are. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. So your trash talk? You can't be talking if you got knocked out. Second round, third round, twelfth round, doesn't matter. Your last fight, you lost by a knockout, you can't be talking. Connor, quote, you've been talking the most. And, well, I am reinstated in the WBC. I will have you next. You worry about handling your drunk <laughs> drunk driving convictions, which is crazy. And to end this tweet off, Connor Ben, in typical British man fashion. Calls him a wanker. Different. ESJ, Errol Spence, clap back with, Drinks and PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs, are two different things. With a laughing emoji. Difference between me and you is, I owned up to my mess. You would cheat, just like your daddy. With another laughing emoji. Man, ESJ, he don't play no games. (laughs) He don't play. He hears you talking. You're not going to get off scot-free at all Connor ends up getting the last word with quote proven innocent I ain't raising my hands to nothing I ain't done you're convicted big difference is cheating the excuse you lot are making over there after my dad dealt with your world champions yawn emoji and he closed it with that finished with that wow connor obviously came with some heat as far as making a fight between these two men goes i believe it can be done a lot of boxing politics prevents fights like this from materializing but i do have faith in the two sides now like connor said in his own post and announced worldwide he is back in the wbc's good graces which means he is available to fight just not in the uk Bringing Conor over to the United States for a quick cash cow fight in the world to weight division would be great for both men. I can guarantee the press conference will be absolute fireworks as well. I know we all saw the buildup for the Eubank and Ben fight, and that was absolutely ridiculous too. Errol Spence, knowing he doesn't run away from a challenge. Really? Conor Ben is one of the most headstrong fighters in the world right now. These two personalities clashing. That's a perfect fight for the year. A fight between these two would produce a Hall of Fame-level matchup for certain. DQ with Damani, guarantee. Badu Jack. My man's the ripper. He secured a coveted third championship in a third weight class this weekend in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. In a fight where most boxing pundits had Badu Jack as a major underdog due to him being the older man, he really shocked the world with dynamite right hooks that took down the reigning cruiserweight king, Ilunga Makabu. There were a lot of people speaking on Makabu's power, saying that Makabu was going to flatten Badu Jack either by clean knockout or stoppage, but seems like the opposite happened. At 39 years old, Badu Jack seemed to be the one pushing the action and appeared to be the younger man in the ring. I can guarantee you all that the people in that crowd were shocked when they saw Badu Jack throwing bombs against Makabu. He hit him so hard over the top that he sent him rolling backwards into the ropes. He made this man hit the Brock Lesnar. If you guys have seen that infamous Brock Lesnar roll across the cage. BoxRec currently has Badu Jack ranked number two in the Cruiserweight division. There are several questions to be answered regarding unification and who should truly be ranked number one in the division jai apataya he holds the ibf world championship and has faced opposition across his career that could be questionable depending on who you ask and who you compare his resume against i personally believe that badu jack should be ranked number one currently since he is the wbc champion the most prestigious champion in every weight class. Although the WBC themselves have had a pretty, uh, let's just say, spotty history of corruption and pretty suspect behavior in boxing. But that green and gold belt, that's always going to be the most prestigious belt. Whether we want to accept it or not, as competitors, as fans, as pundits, as historians, you really just have to accept that the WBC belt is the number one belt. I, I haven't seen anybody look at the IBF, anybody look at the WBA belt and be like, yeah, this is the number one. This shows that you're the champion. Anytime there's a film, anytime there is a novel, manga, etc., even anime, the WBC belt is the premier belt that they show on screen. If that doesn't tell you everything that you need to know, then I don't know. Maybe the sport isn't for you. Maybe you should stick to... MMA and some Muay Thai a little bit of wrestling go hit up go hit up uh, (laughs) a flow wrestling flow grappling because boxing isn't for you if you've really completely dismissed the fact that the WBC still is the most important championship now like I mentioned earlier a unification fight between Badu Jack and the other championships really it's it's it seems like it wouldn't be a bad idea but I've if I were his manager slash promoter slash anybody on his team, really, including his head coach, I wouldn't throw him to the Lions immediately. I would give Badu Jack two, maybe at the max three tune up fights defenses so that he could re- really just be comfortable against younger opposition because Ilunga Makabu was closer in age. He was 35 years old, Badu Jack 39. So there was only a four year difference between the two of them. Now, if this man, Badu Jack, decides to take on an opponent with no belt or a fellow champion, he has to fully understand that he is fighting young killers. The cruiserweight division is not a division that's weak right now. There are a lot of up and coming, dangerous guys in their mid to late 20s who will take your head off if they get the opportunity to. The second they receive that contract across the table, they will step in that ring and try to take your head off. And I'm telling you from experience. Young fighters, when it comes to a championship contest, and not just any championship contest, a championship contest against an aging champion like Badu Jack, they're going to show out. They will. And I love Badu Jack with all my heart. I, a brother in Islam, a, bro, a, a, a true African champion, but facts have to be facts. Boxing is not a young man's sport, and I'm very impressed with the performance that he put on against Makabu. But at the same time, we have to be realistic. It's dangerous in the cruiserweight division. It's dangerous at light heavyweight. It's dangerous at heavyweight. These three weight classes in succession, heavyweight, cruiserweight, light heavyweight, maybe even super middleweight if you want to go that far down. Those three to four weight classes, in my opinion, are the most dangerous for fighters who are trying to hang on and maintain that last little bit of relevancy they have because heavyweight you have guys like Anthony Joshua really trying their best to to remain in championship contention as they reach the book end of their career it's it's really difficult seeing the older generation of fighters go through that it's difficult but it's a young man's sport it's not like sports like basketball where you could hang on until your 40s uh, somebody'll give you a year contract two year contract you'll just get spun around different Teams, and you'll make your little money here and there. For a boxer at an advanced age, you're either getting fed to the Lions or you're a champion trying to hang on to what you've got left. It's very tough. And I feel like a lot of people aren't fully receptive to that. There are people who are literally telling Badu Jack right now to jump right back into this. And I don't agree with that because at his age, he's going to need a longer time to recover, he's going to need a longer time to pick a proper opponent who will give him access to those looks that I just described. He's just going to need time. And a young fighter, they'll come right off of a, they'll come right off of a fight and ask for something else. And if they're higher ranked, top 5, top 10, they're going to ask for a title shot. Without a doubt, they're going to ask for a title shot. So to all of my fellow fans of Badu Jack, just keep your fingers crossed. Don't leave any crazy messages on social media because I promise you they're paying attention. They're looking for an opponent right now. They are chilling, enjoying the time that they've had right now in Saudi Arabia. But I promise you, Badu Jack's team is looking at those rankings right now and deciding whether or not they want to let this belt go and give Badu Jack the easy exit that he quite frankly deserves. He's been robbed multiple times across his career, been injured, had the worst cut in boxing history. That's been well documented. He's been through so much. So I could not be mad if he retires. This would be a great way to close his career. He has nothing left to prove. But if he does want to continue, then it's it's imperative that his team really takes a good and long look at this weight class and understands this landscape is not how it was in the 2010s. Things have changed so much. And I would really hate for Badu Jack to take a crazy loss and end his career like that i really would i want nothing but the best for him and i'm very proud of him and his team very thankful that they gave us that fight but now it's time to evaluate whether or not it's time to close the show finally the people have their answer who's the real boxer tommy fury edges out a split decision victory over the problem child jake paul The amount of people who were in my face telling me that Jake Paul was going to beat the brother of arguably the greatest heavyweight of our generation currently is absolutely astounding. I cannot believe that that many people had faith in Jake Paul. Look at the opponents that this man has faced. I don't even want to get into anything else right now. Let's talk about this. This man beat Nate Robinson. Past his prime, Ben Askren, who'd already lost his chin. Past his prime, Tyron Woodley, who was very well known in the last three years of his career to not let his hands go. Beat uh, seriously out of his prime, Anderson Silva. And everybody was under the impression that he would beat Tommy Fury. How is that possible? I just don't understand how in the realm of boxing this can happen people's perceptions can be spun that easily jake Paul's not that great of a boxer prior to this fight i didn't even call jake paul a boxer i remained i remain firm in my stance that jake paul wasn't a real boxer because you can't you can't call the fights that he had quote-unquote real boxing you can't call fighting past their prime opponents opponents who aren't even boxers themselves boxers in real boxing matches it just does not fly you can't qualify that as boxing on the other hand this fight yes i am happy to agree with the rest of the world that this was a true showcase of boxing however being the brother of the greatest heavyweight of this generation there's absolutely no way that tommy fury could lose there were way too many people doubting Tommy Fury and his skill with even more people thinking that he wasn't a true Fury, which makes absolutely no sense to me. I'm not sure how the family dynamic works. I've heard that Tommy Fury's a half brother, something crazy like that, but it doesn't matter to me really because his last name is Fury. His last name is Fury. He's got long arms, long legs, looks like he could take your head off. That man is a Fury. How could you how could you sit there Not even on social media, but come out of your mouth vocally and say that he's not a true Fury. It just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. He has the last name. He has the body type. I don't know how you could look at Tommy Fury and say that he's not a member of the Fury family. Kind of outlandish, but we have to remember that boxing is the most isolating sport of all. You're going to have to deal with people like this. And after the fight during the press conference, Tommy Fury was very open about that. There were people constantly sending him death threats, DMing him crazy stuff about his wife, his incoming child. Like, it's, it's ridiculous having to deal with that, especially knowing that your opponent is leagues below you. It's strange, very strange. But... The fight overall, I can't really complain. I believe that it was a four and a half star fight if we're going to rate this out of five stars. In terms of 10 out of 10 ratings, I can't necessarily quantify that, give you a specific number, but I'm confident saying that it was a four and a half star fight because the striking was excellent. I don't see how anybody could say that Tommy Fury didn't put on a complete performance. I had one of my friends, my, my, my good pal, uh, Nick Cox from uh, high school, who's a boxer as well, Tell me that Tommy Fury isn't that good. How? How? If Tommy Fury wasn't that good, Jake Paul would have been landing that same overhand, spamming that overhand like he did against Anderson Silva, like he did against that. Like he's pretty much done against every opponent, spamming that overhand right. If that was true, Tommy Fury wasn't that good, his ring generalship would have wouldn't have been up to par. He would have he would have gotten hit with those overhand rights. His distance management would have been up to par. All of those things that contributed to his performance against Jake Paul wouldn't have been up to par. This man would have gotten cut. This man would have, he, he would have gotten brutalized, but that wasn't the case. He made Jake Paul look like his son, jabbing him, left check every time. Every time Jake Paul would step forward with a cross or an overhand right, he would get checked. Check left hook every time. Easiest punch to land when you have an opponent who's forcing the action like Jake Paul was. So, excuse me. If Tommy Fury isn't that good, in your opinion, how is it that he got knocked down, which wasn't really a knockdown, it was a slip, but let's give that discretion to the ref. How is it that he edged out a split decision victory if he wasn't that good? He would have laid down and let the fight just go to Jake. It doesn't really make sense to me. So, I I don't know, I just find it really strange how people have these opinions and outlooks on tommy fury when all all this wasn't happening before you guys were all over jake paul all over him making sure that this man gets the most publicity that he's the next big star absolutely not this man got exposed and he got exposed bad and i want you guys to understand that this man jake paul sold you a lie he sold boxing fans a lie he fought low-class opponents he got spectacular knockouts He fooled the world into believing that he was a credible fighter. Now, when he does step into fights beyond a Tommy Fury and does eventually take a fight in the PFL, which is a great move for him. I'm not going to hate on him and say that stepping into MMA, especially a big company like PFL, is bad, but it will give him greater credibility. It'll show to me and other real competitors around the world who have actually sacrificed years to do this, that you're real, that you're genuine, that you're not just trying to get by easily and make money. Because he spreads this message to the people, and it really feels disingenuous. It it doesn't feel like he's being completely transparent. And I've seen it before. I've seen it happen multiple times. NFL crossovers. I've seen actors try to cross over. I I I've seen it all. And this strange era of YouTube boxing has really eased the public into a sense of complacency. They don't know what's real and what isn't. And I'm gonna be the first to tell you that Jake Paul was never real. It was never real. Tommy Fury, if you really want to if you really want to support somebody who's giving their all to the sport, trying to make the sport a better place for all. Try to publicize the sport, bring the sport back to where it was originally. Then Tommy Fury is the man you want to follow. I don't think Jake Paul is the right one for any young fighters. I don't think he's the one for anybody who truly believes in fairness in boxing. Anyone who truly believes in boxing ethics, it's just it's it it can't be done through following Jake Paul's lead. It can't be. It feels more like. He's continuing the Mayweather era, which I've spoke very negatively of here on this show. It's, it's perpetuating this cash grab, easy, quick money fight type of attitude that's really hurting boxing right now. It looks good on TV, but I promise you, for the guys who are grinding day in, day out in the gym, till it opens, till it closes, you're hurting these guys. You are Adrian Broner, my man A.B., unfortunately fell out of his contract with Black Prime. Me personally, I can't believe that A.B. and Black Prime decided to part ways. The deal that they had was sweet. $3.1 million in one fight with back end included. Broner was going to be making some serious money. The issue that happened was really just Black Prime not finding an opponent for him in an appropriate amount of time. First, we had Yvonne Redcatch announced That was the best fight available for AB, who really does need to build his confidence before he can jump into a world championship fight, or at the very least, a title eliminator. Then, we got news that Red original manager-slash-promoter was going crazy and prevented him from going through with the fight. Just days later, news came out that Hank Lundy was going to be Broner's next opponent. Unfortunately... A little bit later after that, news once again came out that Lundy was already contractually agreed to fight someone else under a different promotion in the same month of February, and that he had sustained a cut during training. After Lundy, we had some random named Michael Williams, who we found had a negative record. This man apparently had two victories, 15 losses, throwing this man on a main event card on Black Prime. How is this going to go? Black Prime immediately knew A.B. wasn't going to go for it. You're going to you're feeding this man, A.B., a former world champion, multiple time world champion, a guy who is two and 15. That is the utmost disrespect. So I'm not surprised that A.B. walked out on Black Prime. I'm not surprised at all. But really what bothers me is that they had three point one million dollars on the line and they fumbled the bag. How could you fumble the bag with A.B.? How is that possible? Adrian Broner is one of the most marketable names in boxing, period. Whether you want to call it the 2010s, 2020s, either decade, really, Adrian Broner is a very marketable fighter from the Mayweather camp. Anybody who's came out of the Mayweather camp, I consider to be a marketable fighter. You got Roley. People might hate Roley, but Roley's marketable. You're going to get money off Roley. AB, people might hate AB, but AB can talk up a storm. He is marketable. He will pull people into those seats. So the fact that we let $3.1 million go out the window because you couldn't match up an opponent properly with a former world champion is absolutely absurd. It's absurd. It just doesn't make sense to me. But then again, we have to remember that this is the business of boxing. Some people are competent. Others are. not And it seems like Black Prime, they really just want to throw money at people without understanding that there's a whole lot that goes into this boxing business. It's not just about the O's on the paper. It's not just about the comments. It's not about that fact stack of cash in that envelope you get at the end of the night after knocking your opponent out. It's about who your opponent is, who your opponent represents, and what your opponent will do for you post-victory. Obviously, fighting a guy who's 2 and 15 is gonna do nothing for you. So personally, I'm glad A B decided to take his chances and walk out. But I am disappointed with the fact that both Black Prime and A-B. Missed the chance to make millions upon millions of dollars at State Farm Arena. On my birthday, no less. Absolutely ridiculous. Subrien Matias achieved world championship status at 140 pounds, clearing the way for more unification fights. The PBC card was absolutely ridiculous. The entire night was entertaining, and I've got to give a lot of credit to Al Heyman. He's got it on lock recently with these cards, although his business practices might be a little shady on the side. This title fight was excellent. Matias, the Puerto Rican goat, cruised his way to a fifth round knockout, bringing some more spice to my birthday weekend. The whole world should have known when they saw Matias show up to the weigh in in a black sheisty. It was over. Even during his walkout, black Nike sheisty. It was a wrap. This man wanted the smoke from the scale to the ropes and he delivered that smoke with ease. Matias had the crowd up on their feet, singing his walkout song and chanting his name as he gave his opponent the fade of a lifetime. I don't know about you guys, but running hands with Matias is like asking to get folded. You're begging this man to send you to heaven. You might see God a little bit early. Telling you, I'm not overhyping him. I just truly believe he has serious power in his hands and enough foot positioning to leave your ankles snapped like Michael Jordan coming down the paint in 1998. Absolutely ridiculous showing for him, but I do think his next fight will be more challenging, whether it's a solid contender or a unification fight with Regis Prover. Josh Taylor is already out of the question since the Teofimo Lopez fight is very close to being signed and announced fully. Alberto Puello is also out of the question since he has a scheduled matchup with Rowley for his WBA 140 pound bill. Everyone seems to be tied up except for Regis, and I'm sure Regis would want to entertain this fight due to the value for himself and for the fans. Matias versus Progress has the potential to be Fight of the Year for sure. I've thrown Fight of the Year all over the place on this show recently, but. It's really just because of how high action these fights have been as of late. Wilson and Navarrete, Luis Neri's last fight, Lee Wood and Lara, it's been nothing but great fights back to back. This fight at 140 I'm proposing is legacy building and TV friendly. Regis throws bombs, Matias throws bombs. What's there not to like with this match? Not to mention consolidating the belts as quickly as possible. I really like to be optimistic with these dream fights since we all really know that boxing politics can easily screw this up. Either way, making the best fights possible is always on my mind. Once again, we have reached the end of another wonderful week of DQ with Demoni. This is your host, Demoni Mater, telling you to get out there and watch those local fights. I tell you guys every weekend, the guys on TV aren't the only ones making money. Gotta get the guys on the local level first. Get out there and show some love for your local heavyweight. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast as your destination for all boxing, lifestyle, and news. Be safe.